Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. We're grateful for you. We're grateful that you created us for relationships. Even with you, and even as a, at a friendship level, um, but God, this gift that you gave us in relation to covenant and marriage with one another is beyond any other human relationship that we'll ever have. And as you teach some tonight on how to prepare for that, and some of us tonight how to operate in that, we just pray, God, that Holy Spirit just penetrate our hearts, prepare us, teach us, equip us, strengthen our marriages, Equip those that aren't married yet, God, what it looks like to have a proper marriage and for, for them to how to prepare themselves. And Holy Spirit, we just rely on you and we trust in you that you'll just work through this word tonight to equip and strengthen our hearts. We love you. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just a quick little word about our transformation weekend. So in all my years of teaching, I have never taught on marriage. So if tonight is a flop, it's his fault because he didn't even ask me. I don't think so. I don't think you asked me. I think it was more like a text. Hey, what if I did this night and you did this night? It was kind of that. <sighs> I'm real serious. I've never taught on marriage before, so... <laughs> All right. At the end of the day, our desire is to have people who are healthy. How do we know exactly to do that? My only answer is Jesus. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the body and the blood of Jesus. Like, that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. We need to be healthy, and we need to know that God, God is, there is a way to be healthy. So those of us that could be stuck in habitual sin, whatever, you know, mindsets. I know people that aren't necessarily stuck in sin, but man, the mentality, the battles that they that wage in their mind, there's an answer to all of that. And Jesus cannot resist us when we pursue him. So I'm going to just start out tonight um, with the word hope. So this is what I'm supposed to talk about tonight, and I really hope I nail it. This is what he told, he literally texted me, how about this class? I'm like, sure, I'll do that. But it is from my heart. Even though he picked the title, I do feel like it's really a passionate, uh, from my heart thing to teach on, of treating our spouse better than they deserve. That's what tonight's class is on. So go ahead and take your note. But I want to start the class out with this word of hope. Because if we don't have hope in the midst of our marriage, then we're going to have a really miserable marriage. Okay? So hope, hope, let's, let's just read some scriptures. I really feel like I was supposed to start here. So let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. I'm just going to start with one. So therefore, since we have been made righteous by faith, we have peace with our God through our Lord, Yeshua Messiah, 
also through whom we have had access by faith into the grace which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, that we also boast in the afflictions, knowing that affliction brings about perseverance and patient endurance brings tried character and character brings hope and hope does not disappoint. We have, we have, hope has to be one of the anchored foundations. So, so in, um, First Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, da, 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 the very bottom, the very last scripture, it says, and above all, faith, hope, and love. It's not just a cute plaque on your wall. But this thing of faith, hope, and love is the actual foundation of what we live on. And so this thing of hope has to be at the core of who we are. And so that's why divorce is never on the table or in our conversations as married people, ever, ever. Can I just do a disclaimer here real quick and I'm not gonna do it again, I'll just do it this one time. There are deal breakers. If you have people, if you're dealing with somebody that's addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, addicted to pornography, if they're mentally abusive, there are deal breakers of, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a healthy congregation of people learning how to grow in our relationship with our spouse. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. Um, if you have the other issues, then get a counselor, talk to somebody, don't do it alone. But even at that, God has told us over and over and over, divorce. He hates divorce. And if anybody in this room has ever experienced divorce personally or through their kids or watched it like with their parents, we know it is the most devastating thing to go through. That is why God hates divorce. It's not a taboo thing like, oh, they're in the church and they got divorced. And then we judge people because they get a divorce. No, God is not judgmental like that. God understands that whenever there's a covenant made before him and we break it, much pain happens from that. Divorce is not on the table. Hope is on the table. Hope is on the table. Hope is the very thing that, we're, that, that is our foundation in our marriage. I'm just going to read, you know, some of the Greek things about hope because I feel like this is so important. Declare and to prophesy. We have the power to impart what God says about our marriage. We are talking about tonight treating our spouse better than they deserve. But give me a minute, I'm going to get there. The warning is to not trust in people. So whenever a husband is trusting in his wife or a wife is trusting in her husband, there's a warning in that because it only comes through the body and the blood of Jesus for us to actually enter into fullness and wholeness. Take the pressure off. God is not responsible for my maturity. And I'm not responsible for Scott's maturity. Take the pressure off. Our hope is in Jesus, in the blood, and in the death, burial, and the resurrection. Really what I want to talk about tonight is Jesus actually created marriage for discipleship class. 
everything that we've learned about the cross, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus gets activated and purified in this right here. And if we can't do it, I mean, like, like if, if we, we come to church and we act all nice, then we go home and we let our guard down and we can act like a jerk, something is wrong. It doesn't mean we don't have bad days. It means God hasn't seen the worst side of me. But that's not the point. The point is that this is the place that I learned how to become like Jesus. So we're learning how to treat our spouse better than they deserve. Okay? So the warning is, is, is we're not putting our trust in man or in people. The, the, the hope is, is that we trust in, wait for, desire something from God. So I'm saying these things, but if you don't have the vision of what God says about your marriage, then we need to stop right here, and we need to get the vision of what God says about your marriage. We need to get the vision. Like, Mary, you need to get the vision of what God is saying about John. Lucas, you need to get the vision of what God is saying about Kaylee. We need to know. I need to know who God says Scott is, and that is where I place my hope. Day and night, night and day. That is where I place my hope. Days whenever it's really hard and I may, my vision may be slurred, my, my default is hope in what God's already told me. My default isn't become a jerk and all the things and, you know, feel like I can say and do whatever because he's not going anywhere anyway. That is sin. That is sin. Okay. So we're desiring something that God has spoken to expect. Expect. Everybody say expect. I mean, for years I prayed, God, all that you created my marriage to be, that's what I want. I want it all. Everybody say, I want it all. You got to die. Desire of good with an expectation of obtaining it. I don't care if you have had the same experience for the last 20 years with your spouse and you still haven't seen it, press deeper into hope. And also, God's not done. You may be like 20, 30, 40 years into this thing, and it may be fantastic, but I promise you, God is not done. Okay. We good? Okay. Your marriage is a reflection of divine purpose. It is not a mistake. I don't care if your marriage was a mistake, but now you're under covenant, it is no longer a mistake because God takes things that are broken and he makes them new. Your marriage is a divine institution that God himself has brought together. Okay? It is not a mistake. We are equals made in God's image. God, Alan Pullum, was created by the creator like him. God was created in the image of God. Look at your spouse and know they were like, let your heart just like grasp the awe of this reality that your spouse was created by the creator in the creator's image. That's why your marriage is not a mistake. I have talked to so many people in the church that whenever they got married, they're like, I knew that it was a mistake. This was not the person. 
That I mean, maybe, but that is a, I was going to say it's a bunch of bull crap, but that's probably not sound very nice, but it, it's just such a lie that something was so messed up that it ever can't be fully what God created it to be. Let me tell you something. Your destiny is fullness and wholeness in him with your spouse by your side. We are equals made in God's image. Listen to this. Each of us submitting. Sometimes we lead, sometimes we follow. Get God's perspective. So, so we need to receive and reposition ourselves from God's perspective in this marriage. Okay, we're going to do a little exercise here real quick. We're going to close our eyes. And we're not going to sleep, but we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you say about my marriage? And I'm going to give you about a minute. And I want you to listen to the Lord in your imagination, in your heart. Maybe it's a picture. Maybe it's a color. Maybe it's words. Listen to the Lord and ask him what he says about your marriage. Does anybody want to be bold and tell me what they heard? Lainey. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How many of you felt the Lord as she was, like, I, I actually felt the Lord when she was talking. That's awesome. That's awesome. Terry. Glue. Yeah. So beautiful. Maybe you're not married yet, but I, the Lord can talk to you too and tell you something about your, anybody else? Amy. Butterfly. That's awesome. Tia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the words royal campaign. Not even sure what that means, but... Okay. I just... Scott and I have been married a long time. We thought about it. I thought about it last week. Isn't it 35 years this year, right? 35 years this year. I got married when I was five, guys, for real. Um, the Lord's given me dreams about our marriage. We've come through really, really difficult situations. I'm pretty sure that one of our um, last reunions, we were like voted the most likely to not still be married. You know, just stupid things that people say. Of course, we were married. I was 16 when we got married. Of course, we probably shouldn't have made it. But, um, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to be really honest. I feel like I know more not what to do than what to do. You laugh, but it's for real. Because it really is messing up, asking for forgiveness, going to the Lord, and then getting up and doing it again. And always choosing him. Always choosing him. And, and oh goodness. Um, there's a grace about being in love. Because when you're in love, it always brings you back together after the hard moments. And that's just the grace of God. Because, I mean, when he said that, I love him more now than I ever have. I do love him more now than I ever have. 
I honor him more now than I ever have. And I could make a list of all the things that I love about him, but, but re- love literally is a choice. I feel like, see, I feel like all this stuff I'm saying, you guys already know. So just agree with me and be like, yes, Lori. God wants to use marriage to disciple us. God wants to use marriage to, for us to become like Jesus. Am I living in compassion and grace and forgiveness? Forgiveness is not the last resort idea. Why is it in marriage so many times that, that we let a whole lot of time pass for arguing and all this stuff before we implement forgiveness first? Is it forgivable? Is the issue forgivable? Did Jesus forgive you? <laughs> That's the point. We are to become like Jesus in this thing called marriage. Are y'all okay? I don't feel like I'm in my wheelhouse right now at all. I'm going to hang in there, though. Number one goal for you, Lucas. Number one goal for me, Martha, Kenny. Like, I'm going to go through the number one goal is for me to become like Jesus. Like, guys, we can give you keys night and day of how to have a good marriage. But if you're not doing this thing, then you're not going to get it. I'm not going to get it until I truly learn how to love and I truly learn how to lay down my life and serve him. Let's read this scripture. So let's go to Mark 28, 12, 28 through 31. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When one of the scribes came, having heard of their questioning, since he saw that, he answered them, And he asked them, what commandment is the most important commandment of all? Yeshua answered him and said, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I think this is really interesting that Jesus responds like that. Because Jesus is is saying, there's the Father, Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. And whenever we go in John and we read about this relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is this deep affection and love for the Father to the Son, from the Son to the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit to the Father. There is a deep love connection between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, for one, and then he says, and you will love the Lord your God, the, the one that I just said, the three of us are one. You will love the Lord your God out of your whole heart and out of your whole be- being and out of your whole understanding and out of your whole strength. So number one, our number one goal is to love God with our whole heart, with our whole mind and with our whole strength. And this God is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that they're madly in love with each other. And they honor each other in that relationship. And he's telling us to love them the way they love each other. And then number two, he says, and the second, you will love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is not another commandment that is greater than these. So, so this com- just because we're married 
doesn't mean that this doesn't apply to that place. Like this is where that begins to apply. I don't want to hurt this man. I want to help this man. And the best way that I can do that is learning how to love Jesus with my whole heart and then beginning to learn how to love him through that. Okay. This is not a separate topic from marriage. Get your plan for marriage from the word. Okay, side note. Singles. For all the singles in the room, get healed. For all the singles in the room, get delivered. For all the singles in the room, get out of your sin cycles. Get out of the old mindsets of believing lies and truths, of having a poor um, identity as sons and daughters. I mean, take advantage of being single because whenever, of, of getting yourself healed and growing in the Lord. Because once you're married, you can't help but the other person's in. And, and we want to be as healed as we can be before we step into this I do. It doesn't mean that God can't do it all. I mean, we're a hot mess when we said I do. And it's taken a, you know, a process of healing of years for, the, for God to do those things. So there's that. Marrieds. Listen, it's not your spouse's responsibility to carry your issues. Don't put your issues on them. Go talk to somebody else that's not fair. Yes, they're our best friend. Yes, all of that. But let me tell you something. It is not fair if a man has a pornography issue and he's not telling a soul except for his wife. That is too much to bear, okay? It's too much, for the, it's too much pressure for the wife. To know how to pray, how to act, how to act right, how to be the person that she needs to be in order for him. It's not fair. Because what you're dealing with is between you and God. So go get help from somebody else. This is kind of a word of correction. I don't know if it's a word of correction. Let's just say that it's a word of growth. We do not have a strong, our community does not have a strong um, counseling and all that going on. But we need to grow in that. Boomer Worship Center needs a strong counseling ministry so that people have easy access to go to to get help. Okay? So raise your hand and say, we're going to start praying for that. We're going to start praying for that. We're going to pray that in because some of you right here, right now, are actually some of those people that God is preparing to put in those positions as people come in and need help. It's really important. So don't put, your, don't put the weight of your stuff on your spouse. We good? Okay. How many of you, I'm going to shift just a little bit here for a second. How many of you have all heard the five love languages? I kind of don't want to teach it because I feel, who has not heard of the five different love languages? Are there some people, everybody in the room knows the five love languages of um, giving, serving, that we all have five ways that we receive love the best. Everybody is not like responding to me. Has there, is there people in the room that do not know about the five love, love languages? Okay, everybody, I'm going to, okay, so everybody knows the five love, love I'm not going to go into it then. That's my point. If everybody's completely familiar with it, because I really didn't want to just teach on it. Thank you. I have a, yes. 
Okay, so, so we're, we're talking, talking about treating our spouse better than they deserve. And so it's such an important part of loving someone to know how they receive their love. And so how intentional are you with loving your spouse the way they love to be loved? It's really important that we know, know how they love to be loved and to be super intentional about that. Okay. Um, Jesus came to serve, so learn from Jesus. What most serves your spouse? What do they need? So I will just read in the five love languages. So there's physical touch, there's quality time, there's acts of service, there's words of affirmation, and there's receiving gifts. Most of us have a cup, have one or two that it's like they're our, our main way of, of wanting or like of receiving love, but I feel like I'm just a hardcore believer that we all need all five of them. I just think we all need all five of them. Some days I just need more hugs, and some days I just need you to help me get the kitchen clean. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm in the middle of reading this book about the apostolic ministry. And, and the, the body of Christ is founded on, not founded on, the basis of the church is through the prophets and the apostles. And the closer we get to the end times, those are going to be the two main ministries that Jesus is going to come back to. So I'm reading this book about the apostolic ministry. And do you know what the number one ministry of the apostle is to serve the people guys god god is teaching us that we need to die and that the easiest place to be the most self-absorbed and so selfish is in our marriage i think because we know they're not going anywhere so many times we tend to take advantage of that but God is calling us higher. He's calling us lower to serve this person that we said yes to. So, you know, it's like I can throw out the five love languages and all that. I feel like it's great tools. But until we fall in love with Jesus and until we love God with all of our heart and, and intentionally begin, begin to love our spouse, those tools will get us about a couple inches down the road. Because we'll get tired of it real quick if we're not driven with the true love of Jesus. I mean, I just have this stuff written down. I don't even know if it's all worth just throwing out there. I don't know if I just read it, and then if it's good for you, you can catch it. If not, go on. So what if we don't know how to serve them? You know, I think, I think that it's really important that we... Do not, um, what's the words? Like, be critical and be judgmental. Like, I feel like we can have open conversation 
and to trust each other that we love each other and to be able to talk about a need that we have without being judgmental and without being critical. And if, if there is any judgment or criticism in your heart, shut up. But if there's a true need in your heart, then by all means, these are the things that we need to have a conversation about. And I think that that's super healthy to say, I have a need. Knowing that it's not out of complaining, but it's like genuinely, I have a need. And I need you to hear my need. And so whenever that's being discussed to me, I need to not take it personal and I need to not be defensive. And whenever we are in a relationship, when we're in this marriage relationship, we have to pay close attention whenever we're taking things personal, whenever we're being becoming defensive, because nothing gets solved whenever we take things personal and we become defensive. But if Scott comes to me and he says, I have this need, the best thing for me to do is to say, okay, and to listen because I love him and I want to serve him and I want to do the best of my ability to, to serve him the best that I can. So what if we don't know how to serve them? Ask them. The other night he was doing, that's had quite, his mom has been in the hospital since like the day after Christmas. In the middle of that, we had a huge water leak. He had to tear up all of the floor in the basement. All the while he's up at the hospital like six hours a day, coming home, having to do stuff here at church. It's like been so intense. And I'm just like yelling down the stairs going, can I help you with anything? Like, I don't know how to do any of that down there. And like, nope. And the other day I was cutting up strawberries and so down there and I gave him a strawberry. I'm like, I don't know what else to do, but I can give him a, some strawberries when he's down there on his hands and knees. Sometimes we just don't know what to do, so we just ask, what can I do? <laughs> what can I do? How can I help you? But letting this be a normal conversation. Like, this should not be an odd conversation for us. This needs to be totally normal all the time. How can I help you today? How can I serve you? Okay. Are you all with me? Am I doing okay? <laughs> Learn them. See the good in them. Ask for help. Ask for help whenever they're not picking up their stuff when they need to be. Let's just not, let's just stop getting mad. Let's just, let's just ask for help. There are days that you don't feel it, but love is a choice and an action. It is not a feeling. This thing of covenant before the Lord this thing of covenant before the Lord has nothing to do with feeling. It has nothing to do with feeling. It's a choice and it's an action. On those days, do it anyway. Do the thing. Do, listen to this. Do the thing you did whenever you felt it. Like remember how you acted when you were madly in love. Maybe today you don't feel madly in love. Do it even though you don't feel it. Do it. That's maturity. You want to know what a mature bride looks like? It looks like serving no matter what it feels like. But almost always, before the end of that thing, your emotions catch up with, with your, heart, your heart intention of wanting to love them well. Remember this. When your, when your spouse seems unlovable, just remember that you're pretty hard to love. <laughs> Just saying. 
And let's go to John 13. I'm pretty sure Scott's not going to ask me to teach on marriage anymore. (laughs) I'm trying real hard. I'm trying real hard. Okay, John 13. Starting at chapter uh, verse 1. And Yeshua, and Yeshua, since he knew before the feast of the Passover that his time had come, he knew that he would go on from this world to the Father. And as he loved his own, those in this world, he loved them to the utmost. And when it was supper, when the devil was now cast into the heart so that Judas, Simon Iscariot, would give him over. Although he knew that the Father gave all these sufferings to him into his hands, in his control, and that he came out from God, and he was going back to God. Okay, so we're talking about treating our spouse better than they deserve. And how do we get the format of how to do this. We look to the word. So verse four, he got up from supper and he removed his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around himself. Then he put water in the basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples and to wash their, and to wipe their feet with a towel, which was tied around him. Then he came to Simon Peter and he said to them, he said to him, Hang on a second. And he said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Is what Simon said. And Yeshua answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not know, but you will know later. Peter said to him, you can never wash my feet. Yeshua said to him, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Yeshua said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to have except to wash his feet. He's entirely clean and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was betraying him because of this. He said, you are not all clean. Was I going to keep going? I was going to go all the way to 20. Let's do that. Therefore, he had washed their feet and taken taken off his outer garments and reclined again. And he said to them, do you not know what I have done for you? You call me the teacher and the Lord, and you rightly say that I am Therefore, if I, the Lord, and your teacher washed your feet, then you ought to wash the feet of one another. For I gave you an example so that you would also do just as I did. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, and one sin is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you would do them. I am not speaking about all of you. I know who I have selected but so that the scripture would be fulfilled, that the one who ate my bread lifted his heel against me. Yet I tell you at this time, before it happened, so that when it would happen, you would believe that I am. I most certainly say to you, the one who um, accepts whomever I shall send accepts me, and the one who accepts me receives the one who sent me. Okay, I read all that to say, Jesus loved Judas to the utmost. Jesus loved Peter to the utmost. He knew Judas was giving him over to be killed. He knew Peter was going to deny him three times. What is our example of loving our spouse? It's this very thing. There are days and moments whenever I guarantee you, 
I was not worthy to receive the love that my husband gave me. But he chose to humble himself and he chose to forgive me and he chose to to hear what the Lord said about me and he chose to look ahead and see the vision that God had about our marriage and he chose to continue to say yes day after day after day after day after day. I promise you after 35 years of marriage, there's way more better days. Way more better days. And the better days now are way better than any of the best days that we had in our first, second, third, 10th, 15th, 20th year. Because we've chosen each other and we've chosen to fall in love with each other again and again and again. God honors that and he grows that and he's faithful to our yes. He gives us more than what we deserve in the midst of our marriage. And it's a joy to be married. It is a joy to be married. We're better with each other. Talk about a sacrifice of me going to school for nine months. It was a sacrifice. And I remember whenever we had the, the conversation, like I remember telling him, I feel like that the Lord is telling me to do this. And then I got a word of, of uh, a prophetic word from somebody else that was like, whoa, I really feel like I'm supposed to pay attention to this. And so Jake and Jack was still living with us. And so I remember we go for a walk. We walk and we walk and, and we just talk this thing out. And he's like, and he just asked me all the right questions. All the right questions. And he challenged me on every single question. Never one time did he say, but what about me? What about me being here by myself? Whenever that's all I'm thinking the whole time. That's all I'm thinking the whole time when I'm having this conversation. Like it's not even right for somebody to leave their husband for nine months. But never one time, he only challenged my heart intent of why I was going. And never one time did he give me his opinion. There was like one or two times where I'm like, I have to know what you're thinking. Because I value so much. I am telling you, I value his opinion about things in life so much that I probably would base my opinion on it most times because I trust his opinion. I trust his wisdom. But he, he made me. He said, I will not tell you what to do. He said, you have to hear from the Lord. He, and this is what he told me. He said, he said, I am not going to hear from the Lord for you. He said, you can hear God. And he said, if God is telling you to do this, he said that I'm behind you 100%. And I mean, talk about putting, because I'm so used to being like, Okay, this is what he says. I trust that. I'm all in. Um, but it was just a really wise thing to do because it was, I don't even know why I went into that. Other than, I remember on that walk, he had told me a couple times, he's like, you're the one that is going to be making, you're the one that's going to be sacrificing the most. And I remember thinking, ah, it's almost Isla's birthday. It's almost... You know, I'm thinking the birthdays that I'm going to miss. I'm just thinking all the stuff that I'm going to miss. And it's like heart-wrenching. And it's like, oh my gosh. But, but he's the one that sacrificed. He's the one that had to go home every day and figure out food. Well, once Jacob and Jack left. Also, Jack did do his laundry and clean my house up until I got home. Thank you, Jacqueline Ann. 
Anyway, she's a good mama, isn't she? Sometimes we do really hard things because we love our spouse. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Even Peter, when he tried to refuse, even Judas, when he knew he was going to betray him, Jesus did it anyway. Say, I'm going to do it anyway. He treated Judas better than he deserved. I need to know that you are serving Jesus as you serve your spouse. You know the, the scripture in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not unto men. True. Celebrate as you're doing those things serving. Because God's going to honor you and he's going to honor your marriage. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. If you're the guy that likes to leave all your junk all over the floor, that is not my, my guy, guy because he's way neater than me. I'm, I'm the one that leaves the junk around. But let's just say you're the one that leaves a mess and you just automatically know that it's going to be picked up. Just do the right thing and pick up your stuff. Especially if you have little kids. Especially if you have little kids. Your wife is doing a lot with that baby, so just pick up your pants. Okay, guys, just do the right thing because it's the right thing. Don't wait for your spouse to make the right move. Not the right move. Don't wait for your spouse to make the first move. If you guys are mad, stop being stubborn and stop waiting for them to make the first move. Even if they were wrong. Even if, they, even if you deserve them to come to you and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Just don't. Let's just stop being stubborn. Let's stop being selfish let's stop being prideful and let's just lay our life down and say it's not worth another minute of us feeling this way let's just take care just take care of it this relationship isn't based on behavior it's based on covenant before god this is really important this relationship is not based on behavior it's based on covenant guys stop correcting your spouse it is not your job. Say, it's Holy Spirit's job to correct them. It's Holy Spirit's job. It is not my job to pick apart all the things that Scott does wrong. It's not okay. It's one thing if it really affects me and I'm hurt by something. And I need to be honest about that thing. But otherwise, I think 35, probably 15 years ago, I wouldn't have taught this. But 35 years in... I'm like, God does such a better job with him than I ever figured out how to do with him. God does such a better job with me than Scott constantly telling, the, telling me, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. I mean, there's been times like over the years, especially in the church, where he'll be like pointing out things that I need to be doing in the church. And you know what that does to me? Shuts me down. Because what we learn is I'm not like him. Most of you know he probably can get around the whole church and, and greet and have like a beautiful conversation with 90% of you and I might get to two of you. Does that make him right and me wrong? I mean, I don't think so. But if I am wrong, then the Lord can grow me. Stop making them like yourself. Just stop. Just stop. This is based on covenant. It's not based on behavior. Treat your spouse better than they deserve. Because it's how Jesus treats you every day. Jesus treats you better every single day than you deserve. 
And it is a joy to treat this man better than he deserves. Life is better. Life is better whenever we serve in joy. Okay? Um, there's more stuff, but let's just go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 5. Didn't we just end up there? Okay, so normally we pick up at, at verse 22 about the whole husband and wife thing, but I'm just going to start at chapter 1 because look, the scripture pertaining to marriage isn't specifically just this marriage scriptures. So the verses 1 through 21, all before that, is all about how we're supposed to be acting in our marriage. Just because he's not talking about, oh, this is how you're supposed to act to your, towards your spouse doesn't mean it applies. It means it way more applies in this than it applies with me and all of you. You guys get what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, therefore, continually be imitators of God. Let's just go home and do that. The end. As beloved children, and you must walk constantly in love. Just as also the Messiah loved us and gave himself up for us on our behalf, and offering in a sacrifice to God for a fragrant aroma, that any morality or impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as it is fitting for the saints, nor foul speaking or foolish talking or low jesting, which things do not belong, but rather thanksgiving. What is going on on your TV? What kind of conversations are you having? Get rid of all of that junk. Because if you're allowing that junk to be intertwined in your home and in your marriage, it's not going to end good. You're going to wonder why junk is happening in your life, but it's like you have all these inlets of, of demonic influence, and we want to call it worldly influence because it doesn't seem quite as, you know, demonic. <laughs> but it really is demonic. It really is demonic. I'm not going to talk about the Grammys. Anyway, for you know this very well, that anyone who practices immorality or uncleanness or covetousness, who is an idol worshiper, does not have any inheritance in the kingdom um, of the Messiah and God. Okay, so verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of the disobedient. Therefore, you must not ever be participants of them, for you were once in darkness, but now you're in light in the Lord. You must, be cont you must continually walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light uh, is in every goodness and in righteousness and in truth, trying to learn what is approved by the Lord. This is what we're practicing. We are trying to prove what is acceptable to the Lord. We are not seeing what all we can let in without totally falling off the wagon of serving Jesus. We're not doing this. We are setting the standard high. We understand that he is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And so the discipleship and the preparation of that begins in our marriage. It begins in our marriage. And you must not ever participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You see junk on your TV that is darkness, expose it. Okay. Um, but all things are exposed, revealed into the light, for everything is revealed in light. On account, it says, wake up, sleeper, and get up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Verse 15, therefore, look carefully of how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, 
I'm redeeming your time because the days are evil. Because of that, do not be foolish, but you must understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. If you don't know what the will of the Lord is, okay, today, your homework is hear what the Lord says about your marriage. See See the vision that God has about your spouse. Know who God says that they are. Know those two things. And then find out what the will of the Lord is for your life. Like once we figure those things out, you're going to have a good marriage. You're going to have a good marriage. Because of this, do not be foolish. Uh, misunderstand what the Lord. You need to understand what the Lord, will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine. This is debauchery. I really want to talk about that, but I'm not going to. You must be continually be filled with the Spirit. You don't need alcohol. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, you do not need alcohol. You do not need a pill. You do not need all the stuff. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That wasn't in judgment. That was an encouragement. In your home, speaking to one another in psalms, praises, spiritual songs, Singing praises and playing stringed instruments. Do it with your kids day and night. Let it be so normal to sing worship songs um, from your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks to the Lord God, our God, the Father, always for all things in the name of the Lord Yeshua. Being subject to one another in reverent fear, Messiah. Wives, I've, I'm not going to have time for all this, but wives to their husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife and also the Messiah is the head of the congregation. He is savior of the body, but as the congregation is subject to the Messiah, so also should wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, you must continually love your wives just as Messiah also loved the congregation and gave himself over to her on her behalf so that he would sanctify his wife. So that he would sanctify his wife. The congregation of the bride, making her pure by the washing of the word. Men, read the word over your wives. There is a miracle that happens when you read the word over your wives. Make it common, make it normal, make it day in, make it day out. Because you will wash her with the word. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to prepare her for Jesus' coming. We don't have to go too deep to figure out what Jesus is saying here. Husbands, cover your wife with the word. Okay? In order that he would be present for himself. I'm not going to read the rest of it because it's 8 o'clock. Let's all stand real quick. We're going we're gonna to pick your name, but let's just stand. Let's raise our hands and say, Jesus, we want to be more like you. Jesus, help us to be more like you. Help us to treat our spouse better than they deserve because you treat us better than we deserve every single day of our life. Thank you for the joy of marriage. Thank you for the joy of serving. And I bless these people in this congregation with healthy marriages, healthy minds, healthy emotions healthy wills, oh God. And God, I just pray for just a grace of transformation where there is still maybe places of brokenness in marriage, God. And God, all of the ones that are about to be married, all the ones that's waiting for the spouse, God, we just bless them, God, with a powerful Jesus-centered marriage. That Jesus, you take the center spot that you're the guest of honor, God, in these young ones, these young adults' hearts and older ones that's waiting God, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.